0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Shriver, and as always with my co-host, Alex Pollinger.
0: Alright, the Buffalo Bills are 1-0, and and it looked largely how we thought it was going to go. The Bills dominated. The Jets did creep back sort of into the game, but not really. The game was never in doubt. And that's largely in part to Josh Allen. Yeah, uh,
1: Josh Allen played good. I, I think it's like, if you're going to compare it to like another sport, like in golf, it was like a par. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like he dominated the game, necessarily, but he made a lot of really good throws. He made some really bad throws. He The two turnovers were the biggest negative. He threw for 300 yards for the first time in his career, and he had the offense firing on all cylinders, especially in the first half, which is the Bills' passing offense has never looked as good as it did on Sunday.
0: Right, and this was you know, one of those games, and that's largely how Allen's career has gone, that whatever opinion you have of Josh Allen, you could have gone and found plenty of evidence to support it in that game. And there's moments of brilliance. There's moments of this guy is terribly inaccurate, which I don't think is true. And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. He's an average to above average quarterback who's going to add a bunch of value with his legs, and he's going to make throws that not many quarterbacks can. And he's also going to sell some passes out the back of the end zone when there's no defenders around. And you're just going to have to live with that because he largely adds more good than bad. Yeah, that. it's. I think not that
1: Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are necessarily extremely similar players, but I think they're similar in the sense that you, their coaches have found the things that they're really good at, and they basically only have them do those things, which... A lot of coaches with young quarterbacks struggle with that. Like they they try to make the quarterback fit what they want to do rather than fitting what they want to do or fitting their offense to the quarterback. And I think that's why Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have succeeded, where the other three quarterbacks from that draft class have largely not.
0: Yeah. And just think to the 2017 Buffalo Bills with Rick Dennison and Tyrod Taylor. He was trying to make Tyrod Taylor just a pocket passer and it didn't work. That's not what Tyrod did well. And the Bills made a great decision by moving on from Dennison and bringing in Brian Dable, because he's done a really good job of designing an offense that fits what Josh Allen does well. And it does a pretty good job also of hiding his deficiencies. I mean, a lot of Allen's problems come when he improvises. You get some great plays out of that, and you also get... He struggles when he rolls to his left. His mechanics aren't as strong throwing the ball. And both times we saw him miss throws badly in the end zone were when he was rolling to his left.
1: Yeah, and he he has struggled with throws moving to his left throughout his career. Now, not that he hasn't made any good throws moving to his left, but that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Like, it looks, when you're watching the game, like, oh, he's got to hit that throw. But there is... You can go for most quarterbacks in the league, the great ones even, and find tape of them missing a throw badly, moving to their left, because it's not an easy thing to do. Now, should he have made that throw? Yes, he sh- definitely should have made that throw. It's not, it's not an excuse. But you, I don't. Given what else he did in that game, it, uh, holding that solely against him, like a lot of people on Twitter were trying to do, that just didn't really watch the game, they saw one highlight. Oh, Josh Allen's bad. He didn't watch any of his other throws. Like, yes, he made one horrible throw like that, and he made two other really bad throws this game, but he made a few throws that were just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how different the perception would have been. That that wouldn't have even been a thing on Twitter if he just sent the pass slightly high and, you know, grazed off the receiver's hands out the back of the end zone. It, he just missed it by a mile. and you know, You're going to have those once in a while from him. And there was no defender in the vicinity, and it went out the back of the end zone, so it really didn't impact things all that much. It didn't turn into a turnover. What I will say is, he really needs to learn when to stop looking to add a couple of yards. When you've already juked two guys and picked up a first down, there's no reason to try to initiate contact for another two yards that don't matter. And that's how the first fumble happened. And the second one, that's on Brian Dable. Why are you running a quarterback sweep up twenty-one nothing?
1: Yeah, I I think I don't necessarily place a, the entire blame on Dable. Like Josh Allen still needs to hold on to the football, but it probably in that situation wasn't the best call. Now against that team. Is Josh Allen your best bet running the football? Absolutely. Like, he is going to add significantly more value running than any other running backs were because of the team they were playing against, and that was probably where Dable went. And anyone that watched the game realized early on that the Bills were not going to have any success handing the ball off, and that's because it was the Jets, and the Jets are very good at defending running backs in the run game. But like you said, Alex, probably shouldn't have called that play. But Josh Allen still has to hold on to the football.
0: Yeah, and that's been a problem persistently throughout his career, is hanging on to the football. Whether it's in the pocket when he's scrambling, it's just something that he hasn't done a good job of. And teams are going to be targeting that even more now, like Marcus May was on that first one. But like you stated earlier, Nate, that he made some ridiculous throws in that game. And the first drive comes to mind when I think it might have been a third down He hit Stefan Diggs on a five or six yard out with anticipation, the ball just right there, chest high, where only Diggs could get it. And that's kind of that step we wanted to see from Josh Allen is, can he throw guys open? And yeah, it's a lot easier when you have a great route runner like Stefan Diggs, but the ball still has to be there on the money where only he can get it. And it's a simple play. It's only five or six yards for a first down, but that's a tough throw across the field to the other boundary. And... It, that's just what I want to see from Allen this year. Is more of that.
1: Yeah, that's a throw that he's he's made in the past. Not necessarily consistently, but since he's came into the league, that's a throw he's been able to make. the The most impressive throw for me was it was a, another throw to Diggs. Uh, from he threw the ball down, the, floated it down the left sideline. Diggs, could, Diggs took a little bit of a shot, but to be able to throw the ball with that kind of touch at that distance is something that he has not been able to do in the past. Every time the last two seasons, he's either thrown it 100 miles an hour and made a good throw or taken some off and made bad throws. That's just generally how Josh Allen's been. And to see him being able to make throws like that without putting a ton of juice on it and laying it right in the basket for Stefan Diggs, it, that was, the, for me, the, his most impressive throw of the day.
0: Yeah, and I believe he was 3 of 4 on passes that went 20 yards down the field or more
1: yeah he he was you and, can correct um, me if i'm wrong there one right? of those throws was terrible and should have been and if it was better it would have been a touchdown so i, I will say uh, of those three completions one it was the one to cole beasley that he just cole beasley had to stop and then go down to get the ball and if he had hit him in stride that was a touchdown so it was a big play but that that's a throw that he, he probably wishes he had back
0: yeah and we also have to realize this was basically a preseason game. They've had no live in-game reps at all, except against their own defense in practice. So it, it worked out that they got the Jets week one. It's I don't want to call it a JV team because it's still a professional football team, and they're really good at stopping the run. That's one, at least with running backs, not so much with a quarterback. That's something they do very well. But it's a team that lacks a lot of talent, and the Bills were lucky that they drew you know, such a weak opponent in the first game, and so they could kind of work out the kinks of the offense. They were moderately efficient passing the ball. 6.8 yards per attempt isn't fantastic. It's not terrible. But it's good to see that they're willing to air it out and get four wide receivers on the field.
1: Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, the, the fact that Josh Allen threw the ball more than 40 times and the Bills won easily. Like that's something that needs to become a consistent thing. Not that he's going to throw 40 times every single game because not every game's going to ask for that, but to, to be able to do that as an offense is really important because looking at the bills the last 10, 15 years, generally when their quarterbacks have had to throw more than 30 times, they've lost. And if they could, if it can become a thing where this season and going forward Josh Allen can throw 30 times and win consistently because they put a lot of points on the board. That, that's how you win in the NFL. Like The Bills aren't going to be championship contenders without a top 10 passing offense. And th- this game showed that they definitely have the potential to be that.
0: Yeah, and it could have been even worse on the scoreboard had they not had the two fumbles in opposing territory. You're looking at maybe 27 nothing, 35 nothing at halftime, if those don't happen. But for the most part... They didn't ask the defense to do a whole lot, and the defense can get away with giving up a 70-yard touchdown, because it didn't matter. They were up 21 nothing, and they really didn't take their foot off the gas, which was nice to see.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they continued to throw for the majority of the game, and now part of that probably is, like we've said, the Jets are really good at defending the run, so it wasn't something that was part of the game plan necessarily, but just seeing them continue to be aggressive into the fourth quarter with a lead is, is huge. And the like you said, the defense. If they give up one big play like that, it's not the end of the world. That was a, more of a miscommunication, it seemed like to me, than anything. And Tremaine Edmonds needs to make that play to begin with. But uh, I, I think all in all, that what what we saw from the offense is what we wanted to see in Week One.
0: Exactly, and they get another weaker opponent in Miami. I think Miami is much better than the Jets, and. I think it's a team that you can't take lightly. That's certainly not a gimme next week. But Miami has struggled against Josh Allen his entire career, so hopefully we'll continue to see him have success next weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, Josh Allen has just been, especially for fantasy purposes, just a stud against the Dolphins. So if you have Josh Allen in your fantasy team, definitely next week he's going to be— he's a, he's a guy that's going to hopefully have a big day for her because Dolphins the last two years I think he has— He's averaged like 28 fantasy points against the Dolphins, which is pretty good for a quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I also... We'll get into this in the preview episode later in the week, but it could be a Zach Moss game as well, getting a guy running downhill straight through that defense.
1: Yeah, and uh, Zach, what we saw from Zach Moss, I thought, was, was pretty good for the most part. Yes, he struggled running the ball, but so did Singletary. Decent in pass protection, caught a touchdown pass. I'm excited to see it, the usage going forward. But yeah, I think you're right, Alex, that Moss could be in line for a, a lot more carries next week.
0: Yeah, so anything else we want to add on the offensive side of the ball, Nate, or should we flip over to the defense? I,
1: let's, uh, let's talk about the defense. Um, I think the, the number one thing to talk about is the injuries and the potential for Milano and Edmonds both being out next week or and, 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 and or beyond that.
0: Yeah, Milano with the hamstring, the Bills typically are very cautious with hamstring injuries, as we saw with uh, Devin Singletary last year. They held him out probably longer than they could have gotten away with, but that's an injury where you don't want to risk an even worse pull or tear to the muscle, and then you end up losing him for an extended period of time. So if Milano is not 100%, he's not going to play next week. You just can't mess around with soft tissue injuries like that. Jermaine Edmonds, on the other hand, with the shoulder, if he's ready to go, I think as long as there's no risk to re-injury, I think we'll see him out there next weekend.
1: Yeah, I know Leslie Frazier said that there will the Bills have a good chance to get them both back against the Dolphins. But like you said, Alex, playing a guy with a hamstring injury, you're... If he's not absolutely 100% no ill effects at all from that that strain, you're asking to get re-injured and re-injured worse and miss even more time, which just isn't worth it in in week two of a, a season where these guys that haven't played more than one game's worth of snaps because there was no preseason.
0: Yeah, and you should be able to beat the Dolphins without Matt Milano. It helps to have him, but that shouldn't be something so devastating. It's not like they lost their starting quarterback.
1: Right, and the, the Dolphins are probably going to be without Devontae Parker. So, the, the, the I mean, the biggest threat on offense, especially if Milano is out, is going to be Mike Kosicki because someone's got to match up with him and Milano's the best cover linebacker. But if it's one guy they have to worry about, I think they'll probably be okay.
0: Right. And getting back to the game against the Jets, I thought the pass rush was really good. And granted, the Jets' offensive line is kind of a piecemeal thing they threw together over the offseason. Mackay becton was pretty good, but for the most part, the Bills had their way with the Jets' offensive line, and they were constantly getting pressure. Yeah, and
1: Darnold had looked, especially in the first
0: half, just looked absolutely lost uh, most of the
1: time. He had really no idea what to do do when pressure came especially when pressure came faster than he anticipated it to come and that has to do both with the fact that there was rarely anyone open and the fact that the Bills were, were getting pressure like you said but I mean Darnold was really really bad and some of the the way the Bills defense played was not necessarily because they played super well Darnold just missed a lot of throws and a better quarterback probably ha- does ha- has a little more success against in 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 a similar situation I mean Darnold was absolutely terrible and I think look like to acknowledge the defense played well it's also important to acknowledge how bad Darnold was
0: yeah and I do feel bad for him because I think Darnold could have been a decent starting NFL corner or quarterback not corner and Adam Gase is just he's a killer man I, I I don't know how he keeps getting head coaching jobs because he just runs yeah, I mean, teams Gase into the ground. Is, and Gase is awful.
1: And I, I, it was known before this season, I was honestly surprised they brought him back. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired if the Jets have another game or two like that.
0: Yeah, the entire offense exists within five yards of the line of scrimmage. What is there for the Bills to be scared of there? Brashad Perryman running by you? No, not a problem when Tredavious White is covering him. And sure, let Jamison Crowder get 10, 12 targets. It's not going to go anywhere. It's basically them running the ball up the middle for three yards when he's just turning around and catching a three-yard pass. And honestly, that's all the time that Darnold has to throw anyways.
1: Yeah, and the, the only success that offense had against the Bills was when they got Le'Veon Bell in space one-on-one, uh, especially in the pass game. And he, he burned Milano once for a, a long a long game and that that's really all they have and so I, I think it's important to, the Bills defense is going to be very good they are very good but the Jets are really 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 bad and I want to see the Bills have a, a couple of great defensive games against better offenses before I start getting super confident about uh the state of the defense well but yes the defense is largely the same as the last couple of years and they were really good the last couple of years too
0: yeah, and last year we saw the, the Dolphins were historically bad the first two weeks. Like, one of the worst football teams we've ever seen, statistically. And then they became competitive, and if the Jets end up firing Adam Gase after a few weeks, I, I think we will see them be a bit better than they were. And they were better in the second half, so it's still a professional football team, but you're right, Nate, the Jets were bad, and... You know, like I said, the Bills were lucky to start against an inferior opponent without a preseason because it kind of allows them to ease their way into the more difficult part of their schedule. One thing I do want to say is I think I was wrong about Trent Murphy. He was really good in this game, and if you look back to how he ended last season, I think he has seven sacks in his last seven games. He's been really good of late, and you know, I I think I want to take back that I said he should have been cut yeah, I mean, we, we both
1: had him being cut, which clearly, well, at least so far, the Bills made the right decision. It's, it's, I still think it was it's one of those things where if you can, if they needed that money, he probably would have gotten cut, but they didn't need that money. So, it's the value of that money next year, out getting it to roll over, out, was not as valuable as having on the roster this year, in the opinion of Bean and McDermott. And they, they probably made the right decision. I mean, they make the right decision. On what seems like pretty much everything, so Trent Murphy, like you said, had it playing really well going back to last year. And oh, I'm as part of that is probably him being healthy and having a lot of other talent around him where he gets some good matchups.
0: Yeah, and he's also done a good job of finishing plays. That's something he didn't do so well his first year and a half with the Bills. But he's been really good at finishing off plays, getting sacks, getting tackles for loss, where it, the injury might have played a part in that when he had the groin injury the one year. But at Oliver, he didn't really show up in the stat sheet. I thought he was really good as well, just getting, you know, penetrating the Jets' offensive line right up the middle, and that makes it easier for the guys around him.
1: Yeah, and and I mean that's what his job is a lot of the time, and if he doesn't get on the stat sheet a ton it's probably because other guys are are getting to the quarterback or getting into the backfield because of what he's doing so it's it's important i think when you're evaluating any interior alignment to to look not only at the stats when you're evaluate, evaluating them because unless you're a guy like you know aaron donald what you do isn't necessarily always going to show up on the stat sheet
0: yeah so anything else you want to add other than you know the secondary is really good uh, i think
1: uh good on defense that you want to one thing on special teams I wanna, do want to mention is, do you think any, we should be worried about Tyler Bass at all?
0: It's a good question. I, when it comes to a kicker, I want to give him more of a sample size than, you know, four kicks. And those, the kicks he missed, well, the first one you can argue, he might have made it, but you can't review it. But you shouldn't leave any doubt from 30 yards or whatever that was. And if Tyler Bass struggles next week... Yeah, you're going to have to cut them and find someone else to kick your field goals because once you start playing good teams, you can't lose because of a kicker. Yeah, I mean, kicker is
1: a a tough position in the NFL. It's kind of a dumb position. Um, The the variance that comes down in games that has nothing to do with what they do. Sometimes I think I wonder why kicking is still a thing, but it, it will likely always be a thing and you have to have guy that can, guys that can do that consistently, which is not easy, as we, I mean, we, we you saw that last night in the, the Titans game. With Steven Guskowski, who was an, an all-pro for a few years in New England, missed four kicks before making a chip shot to win, but and you never know when guys are going to start mentally or having some challenges, and you can't go through a season with a guy who you won't, aren't confident that they're going to make most of their kicks
0: yeah it's very much a mental game when it comes to kicking. it It's all confidence, and you know, I think he ended up making one later in the game, Tyler Bass. So hopefully he can carry that over into next week, especially on the road. there's going to be some fans there, and you know it, he's got to make those kicks because Miami's not an easy opponent. It's definitely a better team than the Jets, and you can't leave points on the field. And I agree with you, Nate. I really don't know why kicking's still a thing in the NFL because you have all these really athletic guys running around trying to score touchdowns for sixty minutes, and then it comes down to a guy kicking a ball between two sticks to end the game. It, it just makes no sense. I would rather have the option of punting or going forward on fourth down. It just kicking is kind of silly, and it probably won't ever change. But it's something I would like to see eliminated from the game.
1: Yeah, it's one of those like pipe dreams that, especially guys like us that are more that are into some of the analytics like or at least like i mean like to see change which i mean the extra point distance change is at least a, a decent change but taking away the or the, the kicking like you said is doesn't seem to fit with how football is played like yes i know it's part of the rules it's been part of the rules for the, ent- the entire majority of time the sport's been around but just because it's part of the rules doesn't you know makes sense like there's so many rules in the nfl that just haven't made sense so i like you said it'll never change but it relying on kickers or having kickers decide a game is very frustrating
0: yeah and not to belabor this point but try to explain the kicker to someone that doesn't understand the rules of football I, I tried to do that this weekend and it, yeah it, it makes no sense so one last thing I want to touch on before we wrap this up Andre Roberts was fantastic as a return man in week one there he he made one bad decision and it's when he tried to turn around and run backwards for some reason. The other times, it gave the Bills really, really good field position, gave the offense a short field, and it resulted in a lot of points.
1: Yeah, I mean, h- historically, Andre Roberts has been looked at as a really good punt returner. He probably is a little bit overrated uh, as a return man, and but he, yesterday on Sunday, he was great, and he's definitely better than average as a punt returner. And he's someone that you can rely on, which I think is probably the most important thing for an NFL team. You got to rely on the guy returning your punts and kicks to not fumble the ball away and to not go backwards. And I think you can generally rely on Under Roberts to do both of those things.
0: Yeah, and he just generally makes good decisions of when to field the ball, when to let it go over his head. We didn't really see that all that much because the Jets didn't get far enough down the field to have to punt near a goal line. But, yeah, Andre Roberts was really good, 14 yards of return, and hopefully that continues. And it's definitely worth a roster spot because you don't want to send out your starting safety, Micah Hyde, to field kicks. He's sure-handed, but you really don't want him getting hurt doing that. And Isaiah McKenzie, as good as he is as a gadget guy in offense, he fumbles a lot on returns. Yeah, like, I
1: mean, Micah Hyde, objectively, at least back at the beginning of his career, is was or is a better punt returner than Andre Roberts but it's not worth putting him out there. And the only time you put Mike Hyde out there is if you definitely don't want the ball to get dropped because he's not going to drop a punt.
0: Yeah. So Nate, anything else you want to add before we wrap up and come back later in the week with a preview of the bills at dolphins week two? I think,
1: I mean, I think we, we kind of covered everything we wanted to cover and it's encouraging to, from both the office and the defense and looking forward to seeing the improvement and from especially, uh, Josh Allen's season goes on, because we already have seen a ton of improvement from him, and really, it's what I wanted to see week one is what I saw week one.
0: Exactly. It went exactly how we wanted it to go, and that's the takeaway. Was it perfect? No. Was it what we expected? Yes. And I think that's all that matters, so that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Pollinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback at BillsBreakdownPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.